0: So this is the time of year whenever we both get to preach, um, which is very difficult for me to share the mic. Uh, it's very difficult for me to stop talking. So I gotta, I've got to work hard today. Um, but, but Perry's going to be sharing with us. And what we're going to do is typically uh, the message is... My dog is howling somewhere, somewhere on Smith-Sims Road. Um, typically what we do is it's just a message that, that kind of deals with um, maybe what we've gone through over the year. And uh and and we kind of relate that back to to what God is, is saying to us and maybe what God might be saying to the church as a whole. Um but this week we're doing something a little bit different. We're gonna take uh the the final part of the message series that we've been doing called Our Fight and um and we're gonna finish it up together uh going through some stuff. And so so just to jump right in, no big long intros today because we don't have a lot of time to do that. Um There's been a couple of things that I have yet to talk about in our series, and I wanted to make sure that we hit them, so we're going to hit them today. All right, And, and those, those couple of areas are, are some areas that have become very popular right now amongst people that preach on spiritual warfare. So um, so if you're like me and, and you like to go to YouTube and you like to watch different preachers, or um, I, I don't watch TBN anymore, I'm not sure where it is on my, on my TV, but, um, but I just get all my stuff on YouTube. But if you watch TBN and you hear people talking about spiritual warfare, you're going to hear a couple of terms come up quite a bit. And so today I want to kind of address those terms and see what the Bible actually says says about them. And then Perry is going to bring the practical. This is how um, maybe she's dealt with it or our family has dealt with these same terms. And so I'm going to go ahead and give you the terms right now. The first term is a term open doors. Maybe you've heard this term before. Um, the, the idea of opening up doors to the enemy. Um, and, and there are some extremes to that. You know, there's some some big extremes to that. You, you have some people out there that, You know, especially this time of year around Halloween, you're going to have some people out there say, hey, if you if a black cat runs across your yard, you're demon possessed like it happens that fast. Um, So we're going to talk about the reality of what open doors means. What does the Bible actually say about open doors? The other one is generational curses. Who's ever heard the term generational curses? Yes. Maybe you've been told you are a generational curse. I don't know. I hope not. I hope that's not the case. Um. But we're going to talk about generational curses. What does the Bible say about that? And then last but not least, most importantly, we're going to talk about overcoming the enemy. We're going to talk about victory in the spiritual and how we achieve victory in the spiritual. And I want to just say right from the, right from the jump, um, there, there's no way, um, a lot of times, whenever I, whenever I think through sermons and I study for sermons, I understand there's no way for me in four weeks to tackle the subject of spiritual warfare and really get into all the nuts and bolts. And so that's why I spread stuff out over the course of a couple of years. So if you're, if you're just here visiting today, um, you're going to get just a nugget. Um, but if you're one of our home folks, over the years, you're going to pick up more and more and more as we go. So the first thing I want to talk about is open doors. Um, where does that come from? Where does the term open doors come from? What does that term mean? Um, really, it's funny Uh, Whenever I talk about these terms today, you're going to notice something. You're going to notice there's not a lot of Bible for these terms. And what people tend to do in church is we find one verse typically out of context and we build an entire doctrine or teaching on one verse. And so that's why I want to kind of debunk some stuff and talk about the reality. So Open Doors, um, even in my research, I thought, well, maybe I'm just crazy and I'm the only one that sees this. Uh, but I really only found one place, and it's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. And it really only works if you read it in the New International Version. So, so Ephesians four twenty-seven in the NIV says, And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. And, and, um, and so what What you hear a lot in teaching is you're going to hear the idea of open doors that we're giving the devil a foothold through, through things that we watch or things that we do. And that's how people get possessed, right? That's how people get possessed because they've opened up a door, a spiritual door in their life. Um, the, the reality is we, we don't necessarily see a lot of that um, on a practical day-to-day basis. Now, you might see some of that for people that that dabble in the occult, and they're, they're Satan worshipers, or they're, you know, they're, they're leaning that direction? Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've seen some areas where, where maybe some of this has happened, and I, I can't even speak to the reality of whether or not it was a spirit um, uh, uh, possession or if it was just an influence, but um, we knew a family one time uh, that I was able to to minister to and and um, get to know, and that family had, had two sons and a daughter. Um, one of the sons uh, was really into occult type stuff. He was really into violence and dark things. Um, and the story goes that that was told to me from the mom was one night he was up until two or three o'clock in the morning uh, listening to music. And, and uh, that was just extremely violent. Um, and as he listened to this music, uh, it just his brain just kept clicking and clicking and clicking. And it just got in, in, in. And um, to the point, this is going to be kind of a bad, a bad part of the story. But he took a shotgun and he began to shoot his family members. Um, and a lot of it stemmed from some of that music and the thing. So, so what am I saying? am I saying if you go out in your car and you turn on 96.5, uh, you know, listen to eighties all weekend that you're going to start shooting people. No, I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying there is something to what you feed yourself. There is something to what you feed yourself. There is a spiritual component to what we listen to, what we consume. Um, but most of the time that's not going to be general public. Most of the time, those, those cases are very isolated, right? So generally, um, what I want to talk about today is not the idea of opening a door. I would, I would prefer today to talk about the idea of fixing fences, fixing fences. Opening a door means I'm letting something into my home, letting something into my heart. Generally, that's not going to happen because guess what? The Holy Spirit lives in me and nothing else is getting in there, right? Because the Holy Spirit lives in me. But, but I do have property, and if you don't keep a good fence around your property, then things can get in, right? And so uh, you got to make sure your, your fences are, are fixed. Uh, we've got a dog that is a Houdini, and she likes to break out of stuff. Um, and when we first got Nola, she's a big German Shepherd mix. And when we first got her, uh, we put a baby gate up in our house to keep her out of certain parts of our house. And what, she no- what we noticed was if she could get her nose through it, she could destroy it. And so one night we hear this huge crash and I go running in and she had stuck her nose through part of the baby gate and then rammed her whole head through it until she just broke the thing in half, right? Um, and then when I found her, she's got half a baby gate hanging off her, and she's just wagging her tail. She's like, look what I did. I love you, you know, and, um, and I was very upset. So the, the idea is this, that, that we've got to make sure that we're fixing the holes in our fences to keep the enemy off our property in a spiritual sense. Um, if, if we, I'm going to read back through Ephesians 4, and then Perry's going to share. In Ephesians 4, uh, to get that one verse in context, you need to read what's before it and what's after it. Okay, So what's before it is starting in verse 21. It says this, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. I want you to notice something. What we're throwing off here is not demons. We're throwing off our old lifestyle. So before we start blaming demons for everything, let's consider what we do. Let's consider our own life. Let's consider those things we used to do that we're trying to pick back up. And let's throw off our old lifestyle. Verse 23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. That's huge. Uh, We should preach a whole message on that. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, True. Uh, truly righteous and holy. So so Paul is telling us here, throw off your old life, pick up your new life. Now this is where we're going to get into that whole open door thing. It says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we're all parts of the same body. You're going to notice a theme here. Paul's going to tell you to stop doing something, but then he's going to tell you what to do in the place of that. So he's going to say, find the hole in your fence, and then fix the hole in your fence. Nola kept getting out of our fence in the backyard. And I had to go through and I put sticks and I put logs and I put bricks and she kept getting out. And then I put an electric fence in and she stopped getting out. Right. I shored up the fence. She does not like electricity. I've learned that about her. So you've got to find the hole, but then you can't just find the hole. You've got to fix the hole. So he says this. Stop telling lies. Instead, do what? Tell the truth. Verse 26. And don't uh, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. So he says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Here's the fix. Put a time frame on your anger. I'm only going to allow myself to be angry about this for so long. And then I'm going to have to let it go. Verse 27 for anger gives a foothold to the devil. See, the whole context that we put everything under this whole foothold open door thing is really actually talking about anger. Now, we can, we can take it and use it for other stuff, but it's actually talking about anger. Verse 28, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. So if you're a thief, quit it. Find the hole. Do what? Do productive things with your hands. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Don't bring sorrow in God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And then the last two verses, check this out. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I want you to notice some of the things in here. Whenever we allow things like uh, rage, anger, harsh words, are we going to be demon-possessed? I don't think so. Are we going to be influenced? Absolutely. Absolutely. When we allow this stuff in our life, it is opening up a door, it's opening up a hole in the fence to allow the enemy onto your property. And when the enemy's on your property, he can influence you. And so that's not what we want. We want to make sure that we're closing all the holes. Perry has some good thoughts on this. I'm going to let her talk.
1: So when we were going through all this, I was um, thinking about the fence, and our small group actually talked some about this. And it's not always like Gabriel said, like what you take out, but it's also what you're putting in. And one of my go-to's for myself and my family is the word of God. And if you know anything about the word of God, it never returns void. It doesn't expire. It doesn't ever um, fade away. So sometimes when you're shoring up that fence. It may be quoting the scripture over your life or your children's life or bringing it to your remembrance to encourage you so that you don't let fear and doubt and discouragement and all those things into your heart. Um, and also I just want you to know too, it's not always a sin thing. There's sometimes the Holy Spirit will kind of give you discernment about just little things that you might be, um, doing or not doing that. Hey, they're not for you, you know. Um, since I've got the microphone today, I'm going to share a story about Gabriel. Um, so last weekend we were at Colt's last um, cross country meet, and he did really well. And so after his cross country meet, he said, "Mom, can we go get donuts?" And I was like, "Sure, buddy. Let's go get donuts." So um, Gabriel said, "I'm not going in. Um, you just get the donuts and bring it out. Just get Colt to donut." And I was like, Well, I gotta get the other two kids donuts. So anyway, I knew Gabriel can say no to sweets. Like he can say no to sweets. But if you give him donuts or ice cream, it's like it's game on. So anyway, so I I had to get the half dozen donuts because it's cheaper to do it that way. So I got him a couple donuts that he liked. And so we get home and y'all like three were gone just like that. And and so then he actually, puts
0: it. actually two were gone in the car. Yeah. So he said,
1: and so then he puts it back on me and he said, Perry, you knew if you opened that door that it was, it was over, you know? Um, so that's just a funny story. But, um, I, I do remember one time when our oldest son was really little, um, he has a very vivid imagination and I've told some of you this story before, but, um, he was having nightmare after nightmare after nightmare. And I was like, God, what is going on? Like, you know. I need to help my kid. I want him to rest. And and I also know that God also um, would give my son God dreams, too. Like, I remember at 3, he would wake up and tell me his dreams. But anyway, he was going through a season of nightmares. And um, so we just really started protecting what he watched on TV. And at the time, he was big into superheroes. Is there anything wrong with superheroes? Absolutely not. Do I think that we were in sin letting him watch that no but for a season in his life we said no more um you can watch little Einsteins or you know whatever um veggie tales no but um we cut that out of his life and you know what the nightmare stopped so sometimes in your life god may reveal things to you say hey put this in your life instead, you know, or, Hey, this may not be for you right now. This is a weakness in your life. And it may not be a weakness for your, your friend beside you. You know, it may not be sin for them, but for you, this isn't the time in your life for that. Um, and also something about fences. I think about fences, they do keep things out, but they also keep things in right. Um, the things that you love, like her dog, or if you have young children, fences keep them protected. And so, it's our job as adults and parents not only to um, keep the ones that we love close and near to the Lord, but to keep the enemy out.
0: I think I think another big one on that that we see a lot from parents. And, and listen, we're by no means the best parents. I mean, our kids will tell you that, I'm sure. Um, but one of the things we try to do is, is there's things that other parents allow their kids to do that we just don't let our kids do. And it makes our kids mad sometimes, but at the end of the day, I would rather my kid be mad at me and protected than, than happy with me and cool in their friend's eyes, but now they've, they've opened up their fence to a, an influence that's not going to be good for them. And so I think that's important. Don't worry about cool. Right. Don't worry about trying to be the hip parent. Don't try to be the influencer parent because a lot of that a lot of that ends up bad, right? A real parent is going to put some fences up and it's going to make their kids mad. I, I talk to some of your kids. Unfortunately for you, right? <laughs> um, I do like every so often I hang out with some of the teenagers and they do tell me stuff about you. Um, and and one of the things I often tell kids when they're mad. And they'll say, I can't believe my dad did this, or I can't believe my mom did that. And I'll say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Your parent loves you and cares for you. And the reason that they're doing that is because they're protecting you. And you don't see it right now, but they're protecting you. So now you remember that, and you do the same for me with my kids. Okay. Um, So the second one we want to talk about is generational curses. A lot of you guys said you've heard of generational curses before. I've heard of generational curses as well. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I think sometimes we use in Christian world, we use generational curses, the term as an excuse. We say, well, there's this curse of. A generational curse of divorce in my family, and my grandpa was divorced, and my, grand, uh, my, my dad was divorced, and so now I'm going to get divorced, and it just, it's just who I am. It's just what's in us, and so we use this term as, a, as an excuse for our actions, and so I want to see where it says that in the Bible. There are plenty of places in the Bible where it talks about curses. Um, There are some places in the New Testament where it actually talks about the old law as being a curse, right? The Bible says that Jesus set us free from the curse of the law. Um, We're not talking about that today. Uh, But this is the one places in Exodus chapter 20. um, One of the main places we actually see the idea of a curse that's passed down from one generation to the next. And so um, this is in the Ten Commandments. So if you've ever read the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20 verse 4 says this. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea now, if you were with us the first the first week of this series, we told you that Paul says that these idols that these people worshiped, what they were worshiping was demons. Um, the Old Testament says that in a multitude of places um, it uses there 's a Hebrew word for demons, and it says that that whenever these people were worshiping these false gods, what they were worshiping was Demons, And so this is a very important it, it becomes more important whenever you view it in that sense, because what you're going to think is a little wooden idol and you're going to be like, well, I don't worship wooden idols. So this one doesn't really apply. But what it what it's talking about is this idea of of being influenced and controlled by the spiritual, um, but by evil spirits. So verse five says you must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Let me pause there for a second. This sounds very harsh, um, and I'm not going to say it's not. God's a father, and I just told you that that dads can't always be everybody's best friend, right? A dad sometimes has to lay down the law. And so one of the things God's doing here, though, is, is I need you to see this. In my studies, here's the two things I found out about this. Number one, it talks about when he says that about the next generation, three or four generations down, it's it's not necessarily saying that God is going to punish my children for what I did. Because there's other places in the Bible where the the Bible says that I'm not going to punish the children for the father's sins. Whoever sins is the one that gets punished. Instead, what he's talking about here is the idea of my children following in my footsteps. And he says, as your kids continue to follow in your footsteps, he says, your influence is going to influence three to four generations down. The other word that's important there is it says is affected. Uh, that, That word's talking about the ramification of sin in your family. So in other words, whenever I give myself to sin... When I when I give myself to 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 addiction, when I give myself to uh, to, you know, idols or whatever the case may be, what it's saying is my influence is down three to four generations. My effect effectiveness is three to four generations down. And we need to think about that sometimes. We need to think about that because sometimes we think, well, my sin, my hidden sin that nobody sees, it's only for me. Nobody's going to be affected. I'm the only one affected. I'm the one doing this. I'm the one thinking this. I'm the one saying this. But listen, your effect is multiple generations down, three to four, the Bible says. But now I want you to see the other side of that that I think is beautiful, and that's verse 6. He says this, but I lavish unfailing love For a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. So my sin, I can affect three to four generations, but the Bible says that God's love can affect thousands of generations. Isn't that beautiful? So whenever we start hearing people talk about generational curses, you need to remember, A, if you're in Christ the Bible says that those curses are broken. Second uh, Corinthians 5:17 says this: "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You need to understand something. You and I, when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, that curse is broken. That issue is broken. I don't have to live under the same sin that my dad lived under, that my grandfather lived under, that my great-grandfather lived under. I'm set free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. So that's a promise for us. And on top of that, it moves. The spirit of God moves not just in me and in my next generation, but for a thousand generations. He can be more effective than I will ever be. And so we need to get that in our heads. It's going to help us moving forward. One of the things I want to mention here before Perry starts is this idea, though, of weakness or propensity. See, that's something you do need to hear. There there is a level of propensity in your past. My kids have asked me before, and and I don't I don't uh I don't like to always use this because I feel like sometimes people are gonna think, well, all he ever talks about is is um this one this one subject. I, I don't, it's just it's an easy one for me to mention. But my kids asked me one day, they said, Why don't why don't you drink? And they said, You you said from the pulpit that that the Bible says that that people drink. But as long as you don't get drunk, they said, Dad, why don't you drink? If, it, if it's okay to drink and not get drunk, why don't you drink? And one of the things I tell my kids, I don't say anything about a generational curse. But I do tell them, your mother's father had a problem with drinking and had to break that. Her grandfather had a serious problem with drinking. He was a, a, an alcoholic. He um, didn't treat his family well. And, and so there was this propensity in their family line where drinking was never a positive. It was always a negative. I said, in my family line, it was the same thing. My dad had a problem with drinking. It caused a lot of problems and a lot of issues in his marriage. It caused problems and issues in his personal life. My, my dad's stepfather, not even his real dad, his stepfather had a problem with drinking. It caused a lot of problems. You see the, the point. So whenever my kids ask me, dad, why don't you drink? I say, because in our history, it's never been a good thing. So I'm not going to start something now that I know when my history has never been good. Now, you may take that for something else. There may be another avenue that you're going to go with that. There may be another issue in your family that you're saying, you look back and you say, uh, well, like I said before, divorce, maybe divorce. You see divorce in, in, in all the levels of your family. And, And at some point, we have to be the generation that says, I'm going to stop the trend because in Christ, I'm a new creature and I'm going to stop this trend. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to allow my kids to see this. I don't know that it's all a spiritual curse on your kids. I think sometimes what it is, is your kids see more than you think they do. Your kids see way more than you think they do. Perry's going to talk about that. She's got a good thought on it.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about like, like blesses, blessings and curses and stuff like that. And i I'll, I really think it's more of a generational impact that you make. And, um, one thing I was thinking, and it's not just for your children, but for the people around you for the younger people for the people that are your age for the older people like do your do my words bless them or do they discourage them um do my actions show love or neglect um and this is one that kind of convicted me personally is my time with the people I spend my time with is it productive is it negative or is it just neutral like how, how am I spending my time with people? Am I, am I blessing them in some way or am I impacting them? Hopefully not in a negative way. Or is it just, uh, you know, I hung out with Perry today, you know? And so I think about like, I want to make an impact and I, and I don't want you to overthink it to where like everything you do and everything you say has to just change the world. But every encounter that you do have is important, you know, and the people that you are surrounded with are watching you, um, Also, I I was thinking about this, um, that the time that you spend at your job and in your community and wherever you do your hobbies, those times are great times to impact the next generation. Um, And I was thinking about um, my teacher conferences and stuff like that. Whenever I I teach kids, and then I'll have conferences with all their parents, and I see, I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's where that kid gets this from or their personality from you know how they say the apple doesn't fall far well it does not um but I was thinking about in our family everybody says oh my goodness Colt looks just like his daddy Colt walks like his daddy he stands like his daddy he jokes like his daddy like he's got a lot of his dad in him and I think is that DNA or is that him being around his dad, imitating his dad, noticing even mannerisms. One thing, when I first met the Headleys, I was like, Gabriel, they all sound the same. Like, especially like Maddie and Nathan, like they say their words the same. And, but it's they're around each other. They spend time together. And I think about that, like, how cool is it whenever we spend so much time with God and we're around him, that guess what? We start to have his mannerisms. We start to imitate him. We start to act like him. We're, we act godly. And so that other people can see that and say, that is how a godly woman acts. That is how the leader of his own acts. That's how a man should, should be godly in his, in his home. Um, also, um, 1 Corinthians 11 1 says, as you should imitate me, this is Paul, right? I'm not sure who all says everything sometimes, but as you imitate me, just as I imitate Christ. So my question to myself and to you is, could could I tell somebody, hey, just watch me? That sounds kind of arrogant, doesn't it? But we should be living in a way that, that I could feel comfortable with my daughter imitating me. Because I know that I'm imitating Christ. Yikes. That's tough, right? I don't know that I always want her to imitate everything I do, but that's what I'm striving to be. Um, and also as we were thinking, Gabriel and I both, he, he talked about some of our parents' struggles, our dad's struggles, but we have been blessed with really godly parents. Um, y'all know his dad and, um, my dad, I mean, served the Lord wholeheartedly the whole time I knew him, but, um, not everybody has that, you know, not everybody has the example of how to be a good mom and a dad and good examples. And so that's our job too, is to model that for other people and you might be thinking hey I didn't have that I didn't have that growing up I didn't have someone that imitated Christ this is your time in life to insert yourself to surround yourself with people that do Um, because guess what you can learn to imitate him now even as an adult Um, and sometimes you think well it just hasn't happened for me no one's mentored me sometimes you kind of have to put yourself in there you know get plugged in push push in and if you are a Christ imitator and you see someone that needs discipling, it may be your time to push into their life and to to be there for them. Um, And Gabriel and I were also talking like this is exactly what the body of Christ is for. You know, it wasn't just our parents that raised us. But, I mean, we go to people in this room, you know, for prayer and support. Um, our children, you know, go to people in this room other than us, you know, for prayer and support. Um, so other people have made huge impacts in our lives too. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to share about this is Gabriel's been talking about the armor of God and the shield of faith. And, um, I guess it was it two years ago, um, we had a women's small group and it was all about the armor of God and it talked about the shield. I'm going to stand up for this, but it talked about the shield. And sometimes, um, people like at the battlefront had shields that literally would come up to their head all the way down. They were huge shields that protected them. And Gabriel talked about the fiery darts, but they would like join forces so that all their shields were connected and then the people behind them would cover their heads so that they were basically surrounded all the way around with a shield. And you think about you and and I we're supposed to have the full armor of God and that shield isn't just to protect yourself but it's to protect those around you that may not be protected fully or may not have their shield on right now. So just know that um, that it's our job, whether you were know, you blessed before you with, with a generation to imitate or not, put on your shield of faith so that you can protect um, yourself and those people around you.
0: So it's, it's, not to, it's not to diminish the idea of generational issues. I don't want to diminish that but I just don't want it to be an excuse yes. because you you have Christ right. and where Christ is, you can stop any flow of habit or sin or addiction. It can stop with you. And so that's up to us to make that choice. And I, I love what Perry was saying. Um, how many times have she and I had people in the church just praying over us and loving on us. And we need that. You need that. Um, it's important. Um, the third thing that we're going to talk about today is overcoming the enemy. And this is where we're going to finish up. We're going to get through. I'm going to read a couple of things about overcoming, some things that I feel like God's been saying to me. Perry's going to tell you a few things that's going to be really good. So I'm really excited to hear what Perry's going to say. And then she's going to end today with Isaiah 55. And she's got some thoughts on Isaiah 55. When we do Isaiah 55, that's going to be the closeout of the message, and we're going to pray with each other at the end. So overcoming the enemy um, Romans eight 37 says this, um, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Um, that's an incredible, uh, uh, coffee mug verse, right? Right. Uh, we're more than conquerors through Christ. Uh, what we forget is, is the Bible says in all these things, in what things are we conquerors, right? We want to just be conquerors over life. You know, I just dominated. I just, I just sold a bunch of stuff. I'm, I'm the best, right? Uh, no, that's, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about being a conqueror in your business. It's not necessarily talking about being a conqueror in an argument with your spouse. I've never been a conqueror in that, right? I've never won an argument. Never will be. Or pickleball or ping pong. I can't beat her in a lot of things. So um, I'm not a conqueror in some of the things that we think of. Instead, what the Bible says there is, is before this verse. Before 37, it talks about being condemned, being accused, being in trouble, being in hardships, going through famine and nakedness, which means lack and poverty, um, being in danger, facing the sword, facing death every day. Paul says in all these things, we are more than conquerors in all these terrible attacks. We are more than conquerors. Some of those attacks were physical, but the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he talks about being accused. Listen, Satan is attacking too. So in spiritual battles, in physical battles, we can be more than conquerors. After that, he says, even against angels, demons, or powers, we're more than conquerors. I just want you to know something today. There is someone in you that's greater than anyone on the outside. And we need to start giving the Holy Spirit a little bit of credit for the victory that we have and stop walking around like we're defeated. Like every battle we go through, we're never going to win. We're never going to get out of it. We're never going to have victory. And we need to understand that there's a reason the Holy Spirit lives in you and empowers you. It's not so you can just, uh, you know, feel goosebumps every time you come to church. It's so you can win. You can win now in this world. And so, so the Bible talks about being a conqueror. And I, I want to give you a couple of things. Um, I don't want to diminish, again, I don't want to diminish the idea of the spiritual. I think sometimes whenever I'm preaching this, we, we kind of lean heavy on the practical side. I don't want to lean heavy on the practical side. I want to lean heavy on the Jesus side. I want to lean heavy on what the Holy Spirit does and a little bit less on, on what I do. But there's a couple of things. If, if you feel like you're facing a spiritual battle, if you feel like you're facing a, a, a demonic issue in your family, in your life, in your in your job, whatever the case is, the first and foremost thing that you've got to have is the gospel. The gospel. Mm-hmm. My dad was talking to someone the other day and he was telling me about his conversation and he was telling this. Uh, he was talking to Adrian the other day and, and, and one of the things They were talking about an issue that someone was having. And Adrian said this. He said, well, pastor, if they don't, if they're not saved, no amount of deliverance is going to help. No amount of of holy water and oil and crucifixes, none of that's going to help if they're not saved, if they're not born again, if they're not serving Jesus Christ. That's the first and foremost step. If you want to overcome the enemy, not only do you need to be saved, but whoever you're praying for needs to be saved. So one of the things that we've done... In our family, with, with family members and people that we've dealt with, is whenever they're struggling there's an issue, my first prayer is, Jesus, save their soul. Holy Spirit, get a hold of them. Send someone to be a witness to them. If I can't be a witness, let someone else be a witness to them. Open up their heart to hear your voice. Feel them draw you in close. And so I begin to pray for their soul more than I pray for any of the extracurricular stuff. The next thing, though, that's important is prayer. Now, now the Bible says in James that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective and availeth much, right? So it's important that we pray. It's important that we have our heart right when we pray. But um, there's one guy in the Bible that I want to mention. I I read this yesterday in my Bible reading. I thought I'm going to throw this in. I think this is really good. And it's Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. And so there's a couple of places where Daniel prays. And immediately gets an answer. It's, it's amazing how his answers were uh, an angel showing up at his house. Now, I don't know about you. As cool as that sounds, I don't want that to happen. I'm cool with just a thought from God, right? Like, I'm very cool with that. I do not need an angel showing up at 530 in the morning in the dark in my house. Right. I would have a heart attack. I would go meet Jesus in that moment. So um, but Daniel, it seems like every time Daniel prays in Daniel chapter nine, the Bible says Daniel prayed. He was repenting for the sins of his people. And as he's repenting, an angel shows up and the angel says, Daniel, when you started praying, God sent me to you. Isn't that cool? There's something powerful about prayer. Then in Daniel chapter 10, the same thing happens. Daniel's praying and fasting for three weeks And as he's praying and fasting, um, all of a sudden an angel shows up. And in verse 12, listen to what it says. Verse 12, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you begin to pray. And now notice this, this is key for understanding and to humble yourself before God. The request had been heard in heaven and I have come to answer your prayer. Daniel prays for three weeks. But the angel says the first day you prayed, I was dispatched. The very first day you prayed, I was on my way. Now, he starts talking about a a spiritual battle that was going on over Persia at that time. And he says, I was delayed. I was delayed. Sometimes our prayers or the answer to our prayer can be delayed by a spiritual battle that we can't see. We were in our small group the other day and and Doug uh, McElwain's in my small group. And one of the things Doug said is he said, I feel like the spiritual is just on the other side of a sheet. And if we could just pull back the curtain a little bit, we would see it. That it's here, we just can't quite see it. And, and sometimes whenever God sends an answer, when he sends an answer, it might get delayed in the spiritual. But you need to know that Daniel, the Bible says the first day you prayed, I sent the answer. And what did Daniel do? Daniel didn't pray one day and then give up. Daniel said, I'm going to pray until I get an answer. If it takes three weeks, it takes three weeks. But I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to be persistent. And so I like what it says right here. It says, pray for understanding and pray and and humble yourself. Um, A couple of things. If we want victory in the spiritual, we need to pray for understanding. Pray for understanding. Why is that so important? Because sometimes God's going to answer your prayer in a way that you don't understand. I, I, I was telling someone this the other day about, about being a pastor, one of the things I don't like about being a pastor is is death. And unfortunately, I see a lot of it. I've been in countless hospital rooms watching someone take their last breath, praying with the family. I've been to a ton of funerals, preached a ton of funerals. I've been around death a lot, and it's not necessarily the favorite part of my job, right? And, and because of that, though, I, I've, I've learned, I've, I've watched families, and they, they'll say, I just don't know why so-and-so died. I don't understand. And one thing I love about Daniel is Daniel prayed for understanding. In other words, no matter what the answer is, God, help me to understand it. Even though, I don't understand, even though it, it, it's beyond my comprehension, help me to understand. Another aspect of that is discernment. God, help me to see in the spiritual. Help me to know what's happening. When Perry was talking about G2 having those nightmares, that may seem like a silly thing to you for us to be praying about a four-year-old kid having nightmares, but we were tired of him having nightmares. And we didn't know what it was, and she began to pray and ask God for understanding. And that's an easy prayer for God to answer. And then the other one that says that he humbled himself. He humbled himself to know that I'm not the answer. God is the answer. I'm not the main one. God's the main one. And so I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to put myself low and allow God to speak to my heart. Perry?
1: Um, Ephesians six thirteen says, Therefore, and this is in the ESV, it's not in all of them, but therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Um, I was telling Christina the other day, I said, um, I'm going to try to get through this part without getting emotional, but this past year I have just felt like I've been in one battle after another, a really long battle. And, um, and I knew I had the armor of God on, like I felt prepared, but I told Christina, I said, I feel like all I can just do is what that verse says is stand. And, That's what I did. You know, I just stood and I had to trust that God was fighting the battle for me. Like, like Gabriel said, it's not about, it's not about me. It's about me being prepared. It's about, it's about me being ready. It's about me being equipped to fight the battle. But the Lord is the one who fights the battle. And I can just imagine myself just standing like, probably like David did, you know, the armor's too big. It's too heavy, but, but standing firm And seeing the Lord just demolish the enemy before me. And um, some people know a little bit about my story. I'm about to get a little bit vulnerable. But when um, my dad passed away, I felt like just physically and mentally, my life, I wouldn't say spiraled, but I was just having to jump through hurdle after hurdle. And I was just like, goodness gracious, you know, like, come on, like, let this end. And I always thought of myself as... um, not, not necessarily physically strong, but like a strong person. Like you give me a fight, you tell me I can't do something by golly, I'm going to do it. You know, like I will fight for my kids. I will fight for my family. Um, you know, the enemy is not going to win. And that's just kind of been my MO and, um, and going through this season in life, I have, the Lord has reminded me of how weak I am and how much I need him. And I think a lot of times we go through life and we, we fight these little battles. You know what I mean? We fight through, oh, we've got a cold, or we fight through a tough meeting or a hard conversation, these kind of things. But then, And we don't equip ourselves with the armor of God. And then when a big trial comes, guess what? We're not ready because Perry thinks Perry can do it by herself. You know what I mean, and so I want to encourage you that even when you're fighting little things in life, invite the Holy Spirit, invite the Lord in to those little battles. Say, God, I need you when I have this tough meeting. God, I need you um, today. I'm feeling a little tired and a little discouraged. God, I need you on how to parent my kid because right now I'm really frustrated with with him or her. You know, those little things. Um, the Lord wants to fight those for you too. And meanwhile, be prepared. Like, I I hate it when people say like, I don't know enough of the word and you don't, I don't either, you know, but know a little bit, start hiding God's word in your heart, start making a habit to pray, start making it a habit to read the word. And sometimes it does seem ritualistic, but all the while you're strengthening yourself, you're putting on the armor so that when it comes, yeah, you're going to feel pretty weak. You're going to, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to, it's not going to be fun, but you know, Hey, I've done my part. Should I have been more prepared, absolutely, man, this past year i 've reflected, and I think man this is a this is a place I need to shore up in my life here 's a, a hole in my fence, but um, just being ready and prepared um, so second corinthians twelve nine this is um Megan shared this with us in our small group and it just, um, resided with me too. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that is so true. When I, when I felt weak, when you feel weak, that's when he is strong. And so go ahead and say, look, God, I'm feeling weak. Like, I feel like I can't take another step. I feel like I I don't know how to do this, but that's when God shows up and he fights for you. Um, in Ephesians six eighteen says, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion, stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I wouldn't ever want to make you fe- fearful of the future. That's one thing I try not to ever do is to be worried about everything, you know, in the future because he's got us, but you should be prepared. And right now is the time when you're preparing not only yourself, but your children and the people around you. Um, so that when whenever they come to a battle or whenever we come to a battle that we're we're ready with the armor of God um, And also um, I was thinking about this past year we usually kind of talk about um, our year, but I think about the the year that I've walked through and I felt even even through the grief and the sadness and the confusion and all the things, I felt so supported and loved and I think There's people that don't have this. There's people that don't have the Holy Spirit. There's people that don't have um, somebody checking on them and somebody loving them and praying for them. And so I just want to encourage you to be that for someone else. Like be that shield for someone else and, and love them and support them. And if you're that person that needs it, get close to someone that has it because that's what the body is supposed to be for each other.
0: I want to throw something in. She's going to read Isaiah 55, and then we're going to pray. When you were saying that, something that just hit me. Uh, when I was younger, um, I, I know looking at this bald head, you're like, how could that guy ever get picked on? But um, when I was younger, I, I wasn't the, the popular kid in school, um, and uh, I didn't do everything everybody else did. I was, uh, you know. Anyways, um, I remember going through a hard time in, in my early high school years uh, to the point I, I hated going to school. I hated. I didn't want to go to school. I just, you know, I would get ridiculed. I, I, I was the I was the outsider for most of the time. And and, um, and it was a real struggle for me as, as a teenager. You guys know you remember when you're teenagers, how insecure you are at, at, at various points. And so um, and, and so I had this I had this awkward year where it was just really difficult. And one of the things I noticed was um, it transitioned from from school to church. And I remember coming to church and and yes, I had some adults, you know, that that were always kind to me because of who my dad was. But all of a sudden for whatever reason, even among my youth group, I became that same kid. I was just still the outsider, and I brought whatever was happening at school came with me to church. And I remember having a moment. I've never I've never had this moment, but once, but I remember having this moment where I was I felt so hurt on the inside that I had the the thought of suicide. Now, I never even got close, nothing like that. But the thought hit my brain and then left about as quickly as it hit, right? And it got me to thinking when you were saying that, how many times kids, our kids, go to school, they face persecution, they may get picked on, they may have struggles and they don't tell us about it and they come home and if we're not that support system for them, they're gonna continue to struggle. If they come to church and they don't have that support system at church, they're going to continue to struggle. And so I just want to encourage you, be that support system like she was talking about. Be that shield. Because there's there's people, adults, kids, that face stuff every day out there. And this is their one safe place. And they need to come here knowing that they get that. Why don't you stand up with us today? Perry's going to read through a little bit of Isaiah 55. And we're going to close out.
1: We thought that this kind of encapsulated the whole message and just, I I don't know, just let it reside with you. And it says, "Is, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, even if you don't have it all together, even if you don't know enough of the word, come to him, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does, you no good. Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. That's one thing I've learned this year too is to listen. I made myself very busy um, and was missing out on listening. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used to. Used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let, let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. You know, sometimes the rain and the snow aren't always fun. But during the rain and the snow, God is doing something. And so I can choose to cower down and just sink into myself and my thoughts. Or I can say, okay, God, I'm listening. I want to grow from this. I love this next part. I like the first this other part they cause the grain to grow producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry there's hungry people It is the same with my word I send it out and it always produces fruit It will accomplish all I want it to do and it will prosper everywhere I send it You will live in joy and peace the mountains and hills will burst into song and the trees of the fields will clap their hands Where once there were thorns cypress trees will grow where nettles grew myrtles will sprout up i kind of looked up nettles and it's like a stinging leaf but myrtles will sprout up these events will bring great honor to the lord's name and they will be an everlasting sign of his power and love
0: want you bow your heads with me this morning we're going to close out a little bit differently um, instead of coming down today normally we would come down and pray today perry and i are going to pray for you from the stage and and I just want to know, there may be some of you today, even as we're talking, that, that you're saying, Gabriel, I'm going through a spiritual battle, and, and we're dealing with some stuff in our family. We're dealing with some stuff in our, in our home or in our business, and, and there's some things going on, and, and I'm struggling today. If that's you, uh, you, you don't have to keep your hand up, but just slip your hand up. and You put it right back down. Just, just let us see. Yeah, yeah, lots of people, lots of people. And there may be some of you today that, that really, honestly, the solution to some of your issues that you're going through is just what, what Perry read right there at the end. It says, seek the Lord while he can be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord and he'll have mercy on them and forgive them generously. Maybe that's, that's where the, the, the genesis of your issues start right there is you're not seeking the Lord, you're not serving the Lord. Jesus Christ is not your Savior. If that's you today, I want to tell you something, friend. There is hope for you. God has a plan for you, and he is going to transform you. And I believe that as we give our hearts to him. So here's what I want to do. We're going to pray for you right now, and I'm gonna. I want to pray for those of you that may not be serving Him today, and you want to give your hearts to Jesus Christ. I want to pray over you right now, and I want you just to pray along with me. You can pray right there in your seat, and and you don't have to say the words I say. You say your own words, and then Perry, I'm going to ask her to pray over all of us that are dealing with the spiritual battle those of us that feel like we can't do anything but stand uh maybe maybe we we don't feel like fighting maybe we're hurt and we're broken maybe maybe you've got something in your past that you need to deal with today and and Perry's going to pray over you today but first for those of us that need to need to just turn everything over to Christ. I just pray right now that we would give our hearts to Jesus Christ. I pray right now that you would you would find the boldness and the courage to just ask Jesus to forgive you of all of your sins. And God, I pray that as they turn to you, as we as we give our hearts to you today, as we submit ourselves to you and to your will, not to our will, but to your will, to submit ourselves to your plan and and, and to receive the fact that you died for our sins, that your blood was shed to cover every sin, to forgive and wash every sin in my life. Even those things that my dad did, those things that my grandmother did, those things that my aunt did or my uncle did, God, those things in my my past, in my lineage, God, I just pray today that your blood would cover every single sin. God I pray that you would forgive us and your word says that if we if we give ourselves to you that we become new creatures the old is gone the new has come that today we can walk in victory in our own personal lives that we don't have to be subject to these old idols that we've been living with these old these old things that we've these holes in our fence that we've we've allowed open God that today we can make a change we can be transformed. As we repent, as we turn and allow you to change our mind and our attitude. In Jesus' name. Go ahead, Perry.
1: God, I thank you for my family sitting out here, God. And I pray, God, that you would help us to continue to put on the armor of God every single day as we wake up. God, that we would choose you. God, we would choose you um, more than we choose our thoughts. We would choose you more than we choose our own desires. We would choose you more than... We believe what the enemy says about us or what we think about ourselves, God, but we would choose you. So God, I pray that as we, there's a battle always going on, but as we walk through hard times, God, that you will continue to fight for us. I know that you will. Your Your word says that you are faithful, God, but I pray, God, that we would turn to you, God, that we would lean on you, God, that we would know that you are strong when we are weak. God, I pray against any discouragement or fear or doubt, or depression or anxiety or quit. God, I pray, God, that these warriors in here, God, would continue to stand. God, stand for themselves and stand for each other. And most importantly, God, that they would stand for you, Lord. God, I thank you for them. God, I pray that they would be aware of their surroundings. God, I pray that they would be aware of the attacks of the enemy, God, and that they would fight. God, that they would fight and know that you are fighting with them. God, I thank you for them. I pray that you would bless them and their families. I pray that you would bless them mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually. Bless them in every way, God. And I pray that all of that would be given glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Hey, before you go today, we want to show you one quick, quick little video. And then uh, give you some instructions for after church.